prior to Abraham leading Isaac to Mount Moriah, he knew Sarah would never abide to the sacrifice. Abraham lies to Sarah, telling her the journey is to Shem and Eba, so Isaac can meet his forefathers. When Abraham returned from Mount Moriah, Sarah is nowhere to be found. Word is, Sarah went to Hebron in search of Isaac. Hebron is Sarah's final destination due to a death of a broken heart. Abraham is grieved over Sarah's death, but life goes on, occupying the land of Canaan and remarrying Ketra, daughter of Yachtan, king of the Turks. Milcah, Nea's niece and husband, begets a son called Bethuel, the Armenian. Bethuel is the father of both Laban and Rebekah. Eliza of Damascus brings Rebekah from the east in order to marry Isaac, the son of Abraham. Shortly after, death takes Abraham. Rebekah carries both of Isaac's sons in her womb. Two brothers fighting before they were even born. There is no life except of earth and material pleasure. There are two worlds before us. This world and a world yet to come. If it pleases you, take this world and I will take the other. Each son fights in desire to be the firstborn. It was only when Esau threatens to kill Rebekah, Jacob let him have his way. Painful labor brings Rebekah to seek advice. There are two nations within you, two nations to be hated by the world. One shall raise Palestine, the other will raise Rome. Esau is born walking out of Rebekah's womb. Jacob walks in a different path. Esau is a passionate hunter, lover of the outdoors, skillful with the bow and arrow. Mastering the art of hunting one day while in the field, Esau recognizes another mighty hunter. Esau becomes jealous of what this hunter has. Laying low in the field, Esau shoots his rival through the heart with his bow, rushing over to the dead corpse, stripping its garments. Nimrod is slain. Esau hurries back from the field faint and hungry. Jacob is seen cooking lentils. Let me eat, for I am faint. Sell me your birthright. This option won't be possible forever. Esau realizes death will greet him in vengeance of Nimrod. Seeing no point in holding the birthright, the exchange is made. Back in the land of Philistine, Isaac ventures to visit an old friend named Abimelech, whom begotten a son in his same name. Abimelech's son is king of Gerah. 
As Isaac secures water from the well, Abraham's servants dug. Isaac moves to Hebron, where Rebekah receives the news her sister-in-law is expected to give birth to twin daughters. The time is now. The Abrahamic covenant is to be passed down from Isaac. A decision Isaac will have to make blindly. Some say the tears of crying angels weakened Isaac's sight upon him being sacrificed. Rebekah can see what Isaac can't. The day prior to the blessing, Rebekah provides Jacob with a meal. Jacob is a little nervous. Isaac knows the hairiness of Rebekah's firstborn. Isaac will want to feel Jacob's hands prior to Jacob receiving the blessing. Taking the skin of two kid goats, sewing them together to fit Jacob's hand, To complete the concealment, Jacob is placed in the garments he obtained when Esau sold him the birthright. Now is the night when the storehouse of the celestial dew will unlock. Lastly, if all else fails, Rebecca promises Jacob she will bear all implications. As when Adam fell to sin, the maldiction fell upon Mother Earth. Jacob addresses Isaac, proclaiming God for his speedy arrival. God is in a word in Esau's vocabulary. Come forth. Let me feel your hands. Jacob's heart melts like hot wax. As Jacob slowly moves forward, Two guardians hold each hand of Jacob every step of the way. Voice of Jacob. Hands of Esau. Jacob receives a tenfold blessing, bathing in the celestial dew. Brighter than the totality of every star in the sky. Isaac eats off the plate Esau seeks to fill. As Jacob leaves... Esau returns. Arriving four hours late due to no game caught in the field, Esau kills a dog to offer to Isaac. The moment Esau realizes he is too late, fire fills his eyes. With such resentment, Jacob can feel being miles away. Jacob flees to Eber's house in fear of Esau. Jacob dwells with Ebba 14 years. Jacob then receives the instruction from Rebekah to head toward Haran. Jacob is told to select a wife from the daughters of Laban. Jacob sets forth. He shall be delivered into six troubles. No evil shall touch the seventh. A follower trails Jacob. Esau sends his son, Eliphaz, in secret to kill Jacob. Eliphaz approaches Jacob, robbing Jacob of all his wealth, but letting Jacob live. Taking rest in Mount Moriah, the next morning Jacob makes a three-day trip to Haran in just one. Approaching the well of the land, Jacob's cousin, Rachel, is there to greet him. 
Rachel relays word to her father Laban of Jacob's arrival. Laban is expecting compensation for hosting Jacob. Jacob has nothing to offer after being robbed, unable to even give Rachel a small offer. Jacob is reduced to tears. Laban explains his frustration to the teraphim. Beware of dismissing Jacob. A wife is Jacob's wage. If he shall decline, offer another. Rachel has already won Jacob's heart. Rachel warns Jacob about how cunning Laban really is. Jacob still determined to take no other hand than Rachel's. Jacob serves Laban seven years. Laban agrees to let Jacob marry Rachel. The whole land gathers to attend the wedding. Jacob's bride approaches hidden under her veil. The celebration can be heard. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The next morning when Jacob calls for Rachel, it is Leah who answers. When your father called for Esau, did you not say, here I am? Jacob in disgust refers to Laban as Arami the deceiver, for it is not the way of Laban to marry off his youngest before the firstborn. Jacob agrees to tarry another seven years for Laban. On the sixth year of the third interval, no evil touches Jacob. Jacob marries Rachel. Now Jacob has two wives along with their handmaids as concubines. Leah becomes fruitful while Rachel suffers from barrenness. The first son of Leah is named Reuben. Leah then goes on to bring forth Simeon and Levi. Levi is very special in his own way, establishing equilibrium crowned with 24 gifts. Leah understands Jacob is to have 12 sons. Leah begets Judah as her fourth. Rachel observing Leah's fruitfulness causes Rachel to become jealous. Rachel reminds Jacob how his ancestors were once sterile, yet overcoming the dilemma. Rachel submits her handmaid Billa in her place. Rachel names Billa's son Dan. Billa bears again calling her second son Naphtali. Leah gives her handmaid to Jacob. Syphila begets Gad and Asher. Now Leah bears again another two sons, Call, Issachar, and Zebulun. After bringing forth six sons, Leah is expected to beget a seventh. Leah knows the implication of having one more than her due share. So Leah prays. Her womb hearkens. The embryo of Leah's child being changed from male to female. The Miss Dina is the fortune of Leah's prayer. Now, one day Reuben was tending his father's donkey. Reuben tied the donkey to the root of a dudaim. Upon Reuben's return, the donkey is found dead, with the plant uprooted from the ground. 
Reuben takes the plant home to give to his mother Leah. Rachel desires the plant. Leah lets Rachel have her way under the condition. When Jacob returns from work, he shall lay with Leah in her tent. This is how Issachar and Zebulun were conceived. Rachel gains the Dudaim. But now Rachel remains without Jacob to procreate. Rachel going childless leads to slanderous talk upon her name. On that New Year day, such talk is put to rest. The Dudaim takes Jacob's place. Rachel's first son, Joseph, removes her curse. Added on by the unbegotten is larger than the original capital itself. Benjamin is Rachel's second son, seen as a supplement. Benjamin will go on to beget ten tribes alone, while Joseph will only beget two. Had Rachel not expressed such desire for two sons, she would have begotten all twelve herself. Joseph is a blessing. Jacob no longer fears Esau. Jacob, who entered Haran with nothing, now leaves with everything, including Laban's daughter. This angers Laban. Without Jacob knowing, Rachel slips her father's Laban's teraphim into her cattle. Rachel rides away on top of Laban's idols. Laban sends word back to Esau. Now both Esau and Laban want Jacob dead. Rebekah catches sense of the arising troubles, sending angels of another kind to Jacob for help. Jacob is ready for war. Do not speak roughly upon Esau. Perhaps his anger may fade. All meet at the brook of Jabbok. Jacob groups his angels into two. One group under Elizer of Damascus, the other under his son, Elianus. As Jacob approaches Esau, he bows before him seven times even kissing Esau on the cheek. Mind and body now can coexist. Jacob journeys toward Shechem, a city in the land of Canaan. Jacob erects an altar. Jacob is then redirected to Bethel, also in the promised land erecting another altar. Ironically, performing in such righteousness... Jacob now goes by the name Israel. The violation of Dina in Shechem leads to Israelite violence. All ten take part except Joseph and Benjamin due to their young age. Joseph never leaves Israel's side. Israel loves Joseph exceedingly. 
So much so, Israel gives Joseph a coat of many different colors. One morning, Joseph relays a dream of how the sun, moon, and eleven stars bowed before him. Joseph's brothers grow angry over such words. Even Israel rebukes Joseph, calling his dream highly ambitious. Joseph's brothers now begin to plot. Reuben votes not to shed Joseph's blood, leaving to the mountains after giving his advice. Simeon and Gad want Joseph dead. Zebulun comes up with the idea to cast Joseph into the well of Canaan. The idea is put into action, stripping Joseph of his given coat. Only Judah stays back to guard the well, and fear Simeon or Gad will attempt to kill Joseph. Judah sees a party of Ishmaelites heading towards Egypt. Judah realizing there is more profit in selling Joseph than to let him rot in a well. Judah leaves the well to tell his brothers of his idea. As Judah leaves, a bright light beams forth, shooting upward off the well, catching the attention of some Midianites pulling Joseph out of the well, carrying him forth. The Israelites see Joseph with the Midianites immediately drawing their weapons. The Midianites know what the Israelites are capable of after their victory over Shechem. A deal is made. Joseph is sold to the Midianites for 20 pieces of silver. Midianites soon realize Joseph is a Hebrew. If they were to be caught with Joseph, it would be a big deal. Midianites see that Ishmaelites going to the opposite way towards Egypt. Joseph is sold to the Ishmaelites, the amount paid for. Reuben comes back from the mountains, realizing what his brothers have done. Reuben, in shock, does not know what to tell his father. Issachar comes up with the idea to lie to Israel. The Israelites tear Joseph's coat into seven, dipping the garment in the blood of a kid goat. Naphtali presents the coat to Israel. The father falls upon his face, thinking Joseph is dead. Only Judah helps his father to his feet. As Joseph reaches Egypt, he is brought before the Pharaoh. The king is instantly impressed with Joseph's appearance, having a hard time believing Joseph is a slave. The king's wife, Selecha, is also impressed with Joseph's looks. The overflowing of the Nile River marks the beginning of celebration. Selecha comes into contact with Joseph, attempting to seduce him. Her attempt fails. As Joseph tries to get away, Selecha rips a piece of Joseph's shirt. Selecha claims Joseph tried to force himself upon her, presenting the ripped clothing as proof. 
Although Joseph will be found innocent, he sits in a prison during the trial process. While in prison, the king of Egypt begets his first son. Now, around the time Isaac is old in age, his time is drawing near. Israel and Esau make their way to Isaac. Before Isaac dies, Isaac left everything to Israel and Esau to divvy up between themselves. Before Esau makes a choice, he seeks advice from a descendant of Ishmael. Let Israel believe he will one day inherit Jerusalem. Take Isaac's personal wealth. Advice took. Israel gains the right of Cave Mashpelah, which Abraham purchased off Ephron, the Hittite. The contract is sealed. Israel and Esau part ways. Back in Egypt, the pharaohs losing sleep over bad dreams, dreams not even Chaldeans can interpret. While Joseph was in prison, he was able to interpret a dream for the chief baker whom shared Joseph's same cell. Word gets back to the pharaoh, Joseph is called forth. Joseph warns the king, great famine is within the near future. Along with the death of the pharaoh's firstborn, Joseph's prophecy prevails, making Joseph the new king over Egypt. As Joseph sits upon his throne, his eyes lay on Osnath, daughter of Potiphar, a pearl among beauties. Joseph takes Osnath as a wife, begetting two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Joseph's warning gave Egypt a chance to stockpile on food. Israel catches word of Egypt's surplus. Israel sends his sons to seek bread. Only Benjamin is kept back by Israel's side. The Israelites kept in mind Egypt is where they last heard of Joseph's whereabout. All ten brothers enter through ten different gates. Joseph takes notice to the name signed on the entrance log. If these men come before, seize them. Israelites are apprehended and brought before Joseph. All staring upon such glory, none of Israelites have any recollection. Where do you come from, and why? Food. Why enter through ten different gates? Are you spies? Joseph grants the opportunity to prove otherwise. The Israelites are allowed to leave Egypt to bring back Benjamin to Joseph. Simeon is kept in Egypt as collateral. Israel now noticed Simeon is missing. Now Israel is starting to question what really is going on. When Benjamin is asked to be taken back to Egypt, the answer is no. Hunger loosens Israel's grip on Benjamin. Plus Judah vows to Israel 
he will return with Benjamin safely. As Benjamin is presented to Joseph, all are granted to dine with royalty. Benjamin sitting right next to Joseph. The next morning, Israelites leave Egypt, only to get intercepted and brought right back. All are charged with theft. Prior to Benjamin leaving, Joseph snuck his precious cup in Benjamin's sack. Under Egyptian law, one who is caught stealing becomes property of the king. Being accused of spies, now thieves, the Israelites become enraged. Go. Be free of Egypt. Law makes Benjamin mine. Such words sucked the last bit of Judah's patience, drawing his sword quicker than a bolt of lightning. Israelites are strong, but 5,000 Egyptians swarm the scene. Judah is ready to die in battle before returning to Israel without Benjamin. Joseph tries to bribe Judah for Benjamin's keep, but no wealth could forsake his brother. But did you not forsake your brother for 20 pieces of silver? Tell your father the rope follows the bucket. Words more bearable than a wildebeest. Out of desperation, Judah offers himself in Benjamin's place as a slave to Egypt. Under one condition, Benjamin may go if you bring forth the brother you seek. Judah believes Joseph is probably dead. Suppose then I shall call him for you, Joseph. Joseph, appear, oh Joseph. Stuck between fear and amazement. Your brother sits before you. Be not alarmed as your instruments to a plan. Benjamin hears Joseph's words running forth to Joseph, both weeping together. Egypt is now a home to the Israelites. Israelites head back to their father with bread and the news of Joseph. Israel comes down to Egypt to see Joseph's face one last time. During the funeral of Israel, Esau attempts to deny Israel's access to the cave of Mashpelah. Napathali, with such a quick step he could run over a blade of grass without bending it, is sent to receive the contract. A fight breaks out among the Hebrews and people of Esau. Esau, whom is the blockade of Israel's final destination, is killed with one blow to the head. Israel is put to rest in the land of Canaan. 32 years after the Israelites leave Egypt, Joseph dies. Joseph's body is embalmed, kept safe in Egypt. 
Israelite population has grown dramatically over the years, none knowing who Joseph was. The growth of Israelites worries the new king of Egypt. Fear of being overthrown leads to Israelites' captivity. The plan is to overwork the Israelites to death. The plan is put into effect until the Chaldeans draw up a better one. Now a son is born to the tribe of Levi called Amram, son of Ketoph, son of Levi. This man married Yachib, a daughter of Levi, his father's sister bearing a daughter called Miriam. Miriam bears a son called Aaron. A new law is passed in Egypt. The firstborn of a Hebrew must be put to death. The heathen Bilam takes notice to a pattern. Fire can't prevail over Hebrews, nor Abraham. Rigorous labor did not stop Jacob tarrying for twenty years. Drown all Hebrews with water. Their ancestors never prevailed over water. Miriam foretells the coming of a second son to her parents, the one who will lead the Israelites out of Egyptian captivity. Miriam's prophecy comes into fruition. Hiding the babies for three months, the newborn can't be concealed anymore. The infant is placed in a box while Miriam watches the blocks float down the Nile River. On one hot day, Bathia, daughter of the Pharaoh, comes to the Nile to relieve herself. Bathia comes across a box to open. The baby revealed to her becomes like a son. Bathia names the boy Moses. Think not because the boy is young, his actions are thoughtless. The king of Egypt is constantly reminded to keep a close eye on Moses. The king lets Moses' fate ride in the hand of the judges. Let two plates be placed before the child, one containing fire, the other gold. Depending which plate Moses reaches for will decide his fate. The gold represents Moses' doom. Moses grabs the fire, placing the element into his mouth. Judges rule. Heavy of mouth, heavy of tongue. As Moses heads towards Goshen, he notices an Egyptian man fighting with a Hebrew. Moses intervenes, taking the Hebrew's side. Word of this gets back to the Pharaoh. Moses is wanted dead. In fear, Moses flees to Midian. In these days, the Assyrians are revolting against Kikinus, king of Ethiopia. Bilam is the mentor of Kikinus, whom is instructing the king to impose heavy taxes on the Assyrians. Eventually, the Assyrians will go to overthrow Kikinus. Adonith the widow of Kikinus marries Moses only in name. Adonith warns the land of Ethiopia Moses is no descendant of Kikinus, 
making Moses a perfect fit to become a righteous king. Moses passes up the opportunity. Moses, still fearful of Egypt, continues to Midian. Upon Moses' arrival, he takes rest near a well of water. The daughters of Jethro comes to the well to water their flocks. A shepherd begins to prey on the livestock. Moses helps Jethro's daughters driving the shepherd away. The daughters tell Jethro what happened. Jethro tells his daughters to invite Moses over so they can break bread together. Jethro grows to love Moses. So dearly, Jethro's daughter, Zipporah, is giving to Moses in marriage. One day, while Moses was feeding Jethro's flocks, Moses is led into a mouth of a cave. Jethro leads Moses to what is needed to prevail over Egypt. Moses now obtains the wisdom of his whole generation. Moses is given the same staff Abram used to destroy Terah's idols. As Moses leaves the cave, a bush awaits Moses. Moses takes the fire out of his mouth, putting the fire inside the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. I have heard the cries seen the oppression of my people. Go to Egypt, free your seed. Lead them to the land flowing with milk and honey, where Canaanites occupy. Moses becomes very weary of the thought returning back to Egypt. Moses humbly questions himself as to whom he really is to confront the king of Egypt. You are who I am. If the Pharaoh seeks a sign, cast your rod. As Moses enters, Egypt plagues fall in the number of nine. The tenth institutes Passover. Abram's vision of the covenant is in the process of being fulfilled. Taking Joseph's body, Moses flees Egypt. The Pharaoh realizes Moses has no intention of coming back. A group of Egyptians assemble to chase Moses. The Red Sea acts as a blockade between the salvation and Egyptian slavery. Egyptians are seen over the horizon. Moses speaks upon the Red Sea, hoping water will become dry land. I will not do according to your will, for you are a man begotten of flesh. I am older than you, begotten on the third day of creation, while you are the sixth. Moses refrains from faith, resorting to force. Moses beats the sea with his rod. Water perseveres against blood. Two princes of Judah are ready to take the plunge without awaiting another possible outcome. Both princes take honor in being the first to jump. Shortly after the tribe of Benjamin arrives, representing the number of ten, other descendants of Judah are fed up 
taken stones to pelt the Benjaminites. The Judeans throw the Benjaminites into the sea. Now the sea accommodates. Water begins to pile sky high. As the waters above the firmament open into twelve paths, so below twelve paths are open to each to pass. Jethro's advice. The upcoming victory over the Amalekites. Mana from heaven. The song of Moses. It's absolutely minuscule of what is about to occur on the top of Mount Sinai. Such a revelation so glorious, even the mountains themselves fight. be the chosen of where the Shekinah shall rest. Mount Tabor demands the presence of the mother's glory. For even in the days of Noah, not even the deepest waters could overtake Tabor's height. Mount Hermon feels entitled to be the host upon the bride's arrival. On the account of its role splitting the Red Sea, Mount Carmel maintains a state of repose among dry land. The Shekinah shall not rest upon such so proud of themselves. The smallest, most humble mountain stands the tallest among all. Once a part of Palestine, the idle free soil steps up to host the golden wedding. Moses sets camp at the foot of Sinai. Before Moses could begin to venture up, truth begins to descend down, coming from beyond the finite universe. The androgynous light reaches the third heaven of seven. Light changes form to match the angels of the third realm. Gatekeepers of the third world demand the password before entrance. Spoken, it is. Granted access, with no respect being the inhabitants of the realm, cannot distinguish such light from themselves. Redisguising again, light descends through the second heaven. Speaking the password of that firmament. Upon reaching the first heaven, the third part of the secret combination is revealed. The sky agapes from above. So extravagant, even the clouds become astonished. Birds become motionless. The ocean remains silent. Time stands still. I promised to never forget you. It is Enoch who returns from his walk with God, carrying forth what is extracted from the unbegotten. A drip of the celestial dew so brilliant no mortal can face. As the giant Sinai bathes in the mother's glory, all Moses can do is fabricate such truth in a secret theology called the Mosaic Law. Enoch's bride is also his mother. 
If a bride can lift her veil, look into her groom's eyes. The groom will catch a mere reflection of himself looking back. The essence of two are always one. Mother, father, son emanate from one. I just wanna hold you. I just wanna look into your eyes and tell you that I want you. You know you make me feel so alive. Can't stop thinking about you day and night. Love it when you kiss me, love it when we touch. Every time I'm down here, you make me smile. You're the solution. Like I 